I've been hearing about this restaurant in Baltimore and this restaurant owner. He's been doing some big things in the area. Just opened a brand new restaurant in DC. And I've been trying, I've been sliding his DMs like, I got, I got an interview, bro, I got an interview. He's like, let's do it. And I said, well, we gotta finally do it. So finally, we are here with Mr. Ashish Alfred from the Alfred Restaurant Group. We are No Way Rose. We, next voice you hear will be him on next No Picks or Dark podcast. No Picks After Dark podcast is sponsored by Open Works Baltimore. Enrollment for Maker Camp at Open Works is now open, offering half-day experiences for kids ages 8 to 12 in digital design, drones, and sewing. Maker Camp is a great way for kids to explore their creative side this summer. Sessions run July 11th to August 12th. Scholarships available. Learn more at www.openworksbmore.org backslash youth dash programs backslash. Welcome to the No Picks After Dark Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Dante. Today, we have a great show today. (laughs) What's going on, Chef? How you feeling? How are you? I'm feeling good. How are you? Talk about your name and where you from. My name is Ashish Alfred. I'm originally from D.C. I now live in Baltimore. I'm from Ducktail Goose, No Way Rosé. You might know we have a location in D.C. that just opened up. I heard you mention it. Uh, We have one in Bethesda, one in Fells Point. We just opened in Fed Hill. You doing some big things. Trying to. Cause you know I was sliding your DMs like, bro, we gotta do this for been, a long time. This now. has been almost a year. For a long time now, yeah. For a year, it's been a, like, like the long slide. Right. <laughs> but I always tell people it's not about what time it is, when it happens. It's always this is the right time. Sure. 100%. I think this is the right time for us to sit down and have a great conversation. 100. percent And I'm excited that you took time out. We're in this lovely restaurant. It is beautiful. I mean, thank you very much. I'm looking around the roses and. God bless Anthony Bourdain. Um, just his, it's just beautiful. And I'm humbled, happy to be here interviewing you right now. Thanks today. for having me. I appreciate it. So let's talk about you. Give us a little bit of background about you. Are you, you say you're from DC, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Tell us a little bit about DC, growing up in DC, some of your favorite childhood memories growing up. So DC, it's tough to say I'm from DC. So I'm from uh, Silver Spring originally. Okay. It's just a lot easier to tell people DC, right. but right on the line. Um, <clears throat> Went to school in Montgomery County, went to high school in Montgomery County, um, got my first restaurant gig in Montgomery County, uh, right outside of D.C., worked in D.C. nightlife for a little while, then moved away, went to New York City, did culinary school up there, worked in some great restaurants up there, came home, opened my first place, tanked my first place, uh, snorted it and drank it into the ground pretty much. was able to change my life, got sober uh, by the grace of God and my mother, um, and uh, opened my first Duck Dug Goose. Uh, that will be, we're coming up on eight years now at our first Duck Dug Goose. Um, I'm sorry, seven years at our first Duck Dug Goose. Um, our first, our Duck Dug Goose Baltimore is coming up on four years this year. Um, DC is coming up on four months. No way Rose is coming up on one month. So uh, it's been a blessing. Wow, what was probably one of your favorite childhood memories growing up? Though? Like, what was like something that, you know, that, that that just keeps you? You're like, wow, I remember that. It's a good childhood memory. Hot shops. Okay, what's that? Hot shops used to be like. Uh, you ever been to Old Country Buffet? Oh yeah, you know it. So it's like a really <laughs> nice version of Old Country Buffet. They had like cakes and pies and things like that in the window, and it was at Wheaton Plaza. They had one at Wheaton Plaza. They had one in Tacoma Park. And that was a big treat for us. My mom would take us there and it was like an all you can eat, um, like a lunch line kind of, but it was really good. You walked in and that smell, the smell of like the pies and the cakes, cakes and pies, cakes and pies, <laughs> that, will, um, that will never leave my mind. You know, I'm a, you know, before the pandemic, I was like, you know what? 
I don't mind going Sizzler. Nah. But, you know, that was like the jam, like Old Country Buffet. Like, so, like, if you had a big group of family coming in town, mm-hmm. mom and dad ain't like cooking. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, let's go to Old Country Buffet. Sure. You can have everything you want sure. in that spot. And Old Country Buffet has that cold milk. <laughs> that, like, real cold, cold milk. Kind of like the McDonald's Sprite. That's, yep. like the, yep. that's, like, just, like, fire. 100%. I love learning that. I didn't know that about you. So... You've done. You've been. In, you've been to a lot of places. Where were you? Trash, were you trained classically somewhere? I was. I was classically trained in French food. I went to the French Culinary Institute in Manhattan. Okay. Um, I worked in some great French restaurants while I was there. I was at Danielle for a little while. Um, I, you know, I was at Lupa for a little while after that. Did some internships at some other really, really fantastic restaurants. But yeah, French has always been my background. Okay. Okay. So, like, you know. Going through, like, so you moved up to New York, was it right after college or high school, or you were just like, I just want to be a <laughs> chef, like, was that, or like, 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 what, like, was there somebody that was like, in your life that you were like, I want to be a chef, like, because that's because, like, I mean, you know, that's a wild lifestyle, as you know. Sure. How did you get involved in that? You know, um, it, there was no, uh, it's a really unromantic answer, but there was no, like, huge motivation for cooking. Uh, I loved the business. I loved the hospitality business. And because I had this monkey on my back of drugs and whatever else, I was like, well, maybe I'll be safer in the back of house, not knowing what I didn't know. Um, and then, you know, I start to read up on it a little bit. And I'm like, man, everybody back in the, in the back of house is partying too. So, but they're cooking and they're creating something. So maybe I can be part of that. Um, so I conned my parents into sending me up to culinary school. For me, it was just a ticket to New York City, yeah? Um, and I was like, well, I'll get up there. I'll do it for a little bit. If it doesn't work out, hey, I'm in New York and all is well. Right. Um, but I got up there, man, and I, I'll tell you what, I fell in love with the discipline, with the structure, with the uniforms, with knowing where I had to be, with somebody else telling me what to do. Because up until that point, I was a young man that never really had any structure in my life. Mm. Um, because, of, you know, for whatever reasons, right? Like, I, I never really had something to aspire to, something to like somebody to really guide me my mother really tried but it's difficult to you know raise a young boy and and provide for for an entire family right right wow that I mean yeah i mean i remember when i graduated from college i was telling my parents i'm gonna move to manhattan yeah and they're like you got manhattan bills or you got manhattan yep. pay and i was yep. like nah i don't have the rent for that yep. so i lived outside in jersey uh-huh. and i was close enough to get in manhattan sure and in manhattan i always tell people this and i don't know if you may agree with this Everybody always tries to chase Manhattan. Sure. You can never catch up with it. No. You always aspire to be like, I'm in New York, but like, yep. you're always chasing something in New York. Yep. You're never caught catch up with New York at all. 100%. And you know, a lot of when I moved up there, uh, my mom had no, you know, she walked me to school and she would like checked out the school and then she checked out where the apartment was. <clears throat> and she was like, she's looking at the people at the school. She was like, Do you know my son? You expect him to be here at seven o'clock in the morning? Mm. There's no way. In a uniform? From seven to four o'clock every day, mm. he's gonna walk there? No way. Because at this point, I was a total fuck up. Right, okay. Total fuck up. Okay. But like I said, I got up there and I kind of fell in love with what was going on. So she was shocked. So initially, she had this like three month plan where she was like, listen, you're gonna be on your own after three months. But you know, my grades start coming back from school. I'm starting to like really get involved up there and like I've got a job now. And she's like, all right, you know, I'll seed you for, I'll tell you what, the first year. You figure out your first year in Manhattan. Mm. So I get through my first year, and everybody in Manhattan is like, you know, to call yourself a New Yorker, you got to be up here at least two years <laughs> to say you really did New York. Right. So I stayed up there for about two and a half, close to three years. Uh, really got the whole New York experience, probably more than I should have, enough so that it got to the point that my mom was like, all right, time to come home. Wow. Well, what age were you at that point? I was 25. You were young. I was young. Yeah, because, I mean, when I remember... I always tell people when I moved back from Jersey, back to Baltimore, they're like, 
did you save any money? I had nothing in my bank account, man, because I enjoyed it. Yep. And that was the, and I hear like I definitely, yep. you know, you're, nothing opens until 10 or 11 o'clock. Yep. Nothing really goes off until 3 or 4 o'clock. No. So, like, were you, and in restaurants, like, what time did you get out of restaurants up there, like at night, like when you're working? Midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. Wow. Midnight, so. 1 o'clock, and then, you know, you'd go and you'd have 4 or 5 or 6 or 7 or 10 drinks. Right. And then do whatever you did after you had that many drinks. Right. Um, and then, you know, you'd wake up the next morning by, you know, 10. 11. And do it all over again. Do it all over again. Wow. That was uh, life. That was, this is different. It's different life. So was there any influencers, like people that were in New York that was like really helped you, guide you? Any teachers, instructors that were very good that you can remember? For say? sure. I mean, I, I can still hear some of my culinary instructors in my head. I can still hear some of the sous chefs that I worked under in my head, even when I'm doing things now. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think... You know, my success, if you want to call it that, is doing no small part to the people that I, I allowed to, myself to listen to and to emulate and to be like. You know, one experience that I'll never forget in my whole life, I was in culinary school at the time and we were making a dish. It was a, uh, it's like, uh, it's aligot, uh, which is just potatoes and cheese that you like whip into submission until it's like this cheesy potato mess that you can pull. Wow. I've had it at my restaurants before, but man, I watched this sous chef uh, make it and because I was fucking it up royally. <laughs> um, and he came in and when I tell you this man had the pan in one hand, the whisk in the other, and like every... He probably weighed 140 pounds and every ounce of him was in that, in that pan. Wow. And I realized that the cooks I wanted to be like that's what they put into everything they did. If it was a salad, then they're like on top of the salad, like every little thing is going where it's supposed to go and they're dressing it just so. And that, that people like that were my inspiration. People that were totally dedicated to that craft. Wow, yeah, because I always ask like chefs, people, entrepreneurs, like any mentors yep. coming along the way. And, you know, so when you left New York, you came back down here. Mm -hmm. And did you open anything up down here? Your I did. first Okay, tell us a little bit about that. What did you open? What was your first <laughs> restaurant? Uh, so I came back down in 2012. Okay. And, um, you know, now I've got this culinary degree in my hand. All right. So now I, I think... Can't tell you anything. Can't tell me nothing. That's like that Kanye. Can't uh, tell me <laughs> nothing. Kanye song. Um, and, you know, I'm eating in the different restaurants around there, and I'm like, man, this isn't nothing. This is nothing. This is nothing. This is nothing. Right. You know, hold my beer. I got this. Right. So my very doting mother, um, she, she helped me. She seated me in my first restaurant. Um, but, I, you know, the addiction hadn't, I hadn't overcome the addiction at that point. Gotcha. So the restaurant really, um, it brought out a lot of my insecurity where I thought that it would quell that because I was like, oh, well, I'll feel better because now I can do this thing called cooking. Mm -hmm. But just because I could cook didn't mean I could run a business. Mm. Um, just because I could cook didn't mean I was a chef. And I was so like trapped in my own ego that I didn't want to hear anything from anybody else. So I was failing royally. Mm. Uh, I didn't even know what I didn't know. I still don't even know what I don't know. You know? And, and you know, sometimes I look back on, on the lessons that I learned and you know, it, that was the most expensive PhD that anybody's ever had in their entire life. Uh, and you know, it, got, it got pretty bad. You know, I almost died um, a couple times. The second time was the kicker. And um, my mother stepped in and she was just like, listen, like, I, I, you're not, I'm not your mom, you're not my son. Um, I can't do this anymore. Uh, my entire staff had, had staff and the community of people that I had grown up around before I went to New York City. They had kind of like, everybody had given up on me. Um, mm. I'd given up on myself and I was like, all right, let's do something different. So um, made some life changes and uh, opened my first Duck Duck Goose with $50,000 in a prayer. Um, and life's been a blessing ever since. Folks, we'll be right back after these messages. 
getting the real Baltimore story here. <laughs> Be right back. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Seeks Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there's something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, online ordering, carry out, and they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Hartford Road. Open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. And Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. Or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. The No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly partnered with Maggie's Farm. Located at 4341 Hartford Road, Maggie's Farm offers a unique dining experience with delicious handcrafted cocktails and mouth-watering cuisine from falafels to scallops and everyone's favorites, honey sriracha cauliflower wings. Open for dinner from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m., Tuesday through Saturday, and for brunch, Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., Delectable chicken and waffles, shrimp and grits, biscuits and gravy, and more. Check out Maggie's Farm on Instagram and Facebook for daily and weekly food specials. No Picks After Dark is sponsored by Snug Books, an independent bookstore serving Northeast Baltimore and beyond. In addition to featuring new books for all ages, the store also carries cards, stationery, gifts, games, and more. Visit snugbooks.com to shop online, learn more about the store, read our latest newsletter, and find a calendar events, or come browse the store in person. Snug Books is located at 4717 Harford Road, next to Zeke's Coffee in Hamilton, Laurelville. There is free parking behind the store, and open hours are Tuesday through Sunday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. We are back at No Way Rosé with Chef Al. Thanks, man. Yeah, of course. Thank, Thank you for having, having me. Oh, this is great. This is, <laughs> this, this is the vibe right here, man. I mean, I feel like I'm in just, just relaxed and beautiful, and it's not even cold outside. It feels warm no, in it's here. it's getting nice. It's getting nice. So, okay. We went through the personal stuff. Let's get into the restaurants. Yeah. Duck, duck, goose. Where does this name come from? I mean, I know duck, duck, goose when I'm going around with the nursery thing, but is that where it came from? You know, I got to come up with a better, I got to come up with a story because the true story is not that exciting. I was writing the menu, right? Okay. While it was still an idea. I was writing the menu and um, I had duck on the menu. I had duck on the menu again. And then I had, I had some iteration of goose. So I was like, man, duck, duck, goose. It's like, that's a dumb name. That's so dumb. And then I called um, an ex-girlfriend of mine, who's one of the smartest people that I know. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, what do you think of this? And she was like, stop talking, call your lawyer. That needs to be the name of your restaurant. And we opened as Duck Duck Goose. And where was, um, where was the first one located? The first one was located in Bethesda. Okay, so when you went and got that first restaurant, where was, like, as far as your mom and your former coworkers, were they all like, all right, we're gonna see what he can do? Or were you kind of like, you know, no, I'm going to... There was, there was a lot of trepidation. Everybody okay. was like, you know, this kid just fucked this up pretty royally right. in one place. Um, you know, and at that point, uh, you know, there was no faith. No faith. 
Um, but the other flip, the flip side of that coin was, you know, the space is only a thousand square feet, which is probably just a little bit bigger than your bedroom. Right. Um, so, you know, how bad could he possibly fuck it up? Right. Um, but what was different was, was me. I stopped trying to do things that I wasn't capable of. Um, I made the, the business about, about the clients. I made it about the people working in the building. It wasn't about me anymore. It wasn't like I didn't need to like, you know, sorry to say it, but I didn't need to like flex every time that I, I came up with something. I didn't need to, you know, try to show off every time I came up with something. For me, I, it was about creating an experience that was sustainable, both for the clients that walked in the door and for the people that were coming in to serve those clients whether it was the cooks or the servers, that's what it became about for me. And I truly believe that if, you know, you take care of the people on your left and your right, everything else just kind of works out. Facts. That's true. That's true. So successful out in there. Yeah. And then where did Baltimore come in in this whole equation? I love Baltimore. You know? Okay. Because like I, okay, I know my DC friends are going to be mad when I say this, but I think Baltimore's food scene is on a different, like it's coming there. It's like on that level where it's getting close. It's on its way. It's close. It's on you its know, way. I give DC brunch. I give DC their brunch. Their brunch is barring down probably the craziest thing I've ever been a part of. <laughs> but Baltimore's food scene is coming up, and I really believe in it. What made you, I know you say, I know you say love Baltimore, but what, what really appealed you to Baltimore to come here? You know, it's funny. When I, when I went to open my second location, um, I started talking to people that I, you know, we're, was looking at a potential investors or partners or whatever. And I told them I wanted to come to Baltimore. Like, no, 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 go to DC, go to DC, go to DC. We'll bankroll you. Go to DC. We'll bankroll you. Don't go to Baltimore. Um, I was like, no, right. I'm, I'm going to come to Baltimore. You know, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I used to work in Baltimore. Uh, I worked at the Ritz cabaret. Okay. I know the Ritz cabaret yep. on Broadway. Yes, sir. Yeah. I know what um, that is. <laughs> so I, I knew what it was like to work in the service industry in Baltimore. I knew what the Baltimore clientele was like. Um, I also knew that Baltimore was a blue-collar town, and I, mm -hmm. and I, I know that not only, is it blue, not only is it a blue-collar town, it's a very well-educated town. Um, you know, we got a lot of great schools here, um, and, and, you know, I don't say that as somebody that runs a college bar. I say that as somebody that runs a fine-dining restaurant, uh, and I think Baltimore was getting a bad rap for a while. So started looking around, started looking around, and then I found this space that the Admiral fell in, um, Cobblestone Streets, uh, at one of the most historic corners in Baltimore, right across the street from the Pendry. Um, you know, it, who would not want to put a restaurant there? It was just this beautiful little corner space that took me back to some of those corner spaces. You know, you look at West 4th Street on, in, you know, in the West Village in, in Manhattan, you, anywhere in Greenwich Village, it just kind of harkened back to that. And I was like, man, this is where I got to be. I love that. So, you know, you open it up in Baltimore. And, you know, it's a whole different scene. It's yep. a whole different scene. There was it's, a lot of hate, too, when I opened that's what That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, that's what I'm saying. So, like... How did you overcome that? Because it's about, you're saying four years coming up now. Mm -hmm. That's that's a long time, a for, long a time. for a restaurant business. For the restaurant business, it is yes. a long time. Um, you know, <clears throat> I was building the space out, and there were, there were two kinds of people that would stop by when we were building out. One, the kind that said, we can't wait for you to open, and here's a bag of donuts, and here's some coffee, and thank you so much for coming to, to Fell's Point. And there was the other people that would say, this isn't going to work. This is Fells. You got to serve beer. You got to serve shots. You got to have wings. You got to this, that, and the third. And, um, you know, I chose to only pay attention to the one kind. <laughs> I chose to pay attention to the positive feedback that I was getting. Um, and, you know, I, I knew that Baltimore was ready for it. You know, and I, it's Duck Duck Goose is as much about the experience as it is about the food, right? And you go in there and we make you feel welcome and we make you feel loved and we go out of our way to, to take really good care of you like we would our own family. I mean, how does that go wrong anywhere? Yeah, I, I remember when you guys opened, I remember this and I was like, there's a French cuisine coming in Fells 
And I was like, we need this. Mm-hmm. We need to step up the food mm-hmm. in the area. Mm-hmm. We don't, I'm sorry, like, I mean, I, I love a good burger like anybody else. Sure. I like a good beer, I like a pint of beer. Yep. But you have a Max's across the street. Sure. You have those places. Why can't you have a place that I like getting dressed up going to? Sure. That's, I'm, I'm getting older. I want to yeah. go and dress up a little bit. You know, yeah. that's, that's just my style. Yeah. Um, with the French cuisine, how many other restaurants were French cuisine in the area at that time? In the area? I want to say not a lot. No, not in that neighborhood. No. You were like one of the first ones. I mean, was it a, a Ambrosia or something like that? I don't know. There was a whole bunch of stuff that was come and goes, but... I'm not sure. But I don't think you were only I one. I mean, there was Tame Street Oyster House, right? And yeah. they do a great job. They're not French food, but right. they do an amazing job. And I, I remember how packed they were. You could never get a table. Still can't. You know, I moved to Baltimore before I opened my first restaurant because I was like, man, I want to live here and like really like get my, my finger on the pulse and feel what, it, the, what it's like to be a Baltimorean. Um, and... I, when I realized that Tame Street was so good and their style of service was so good and they were really being so deliberate about what they were putting on the plate, I was like, yeah, Duck Duck can do well here. Yeah, I mean, that people want good service. They do. And that's do. what it boils down to for that. So then you're like, all right, we're, we're rolling. So actually, what's it, give us a popular dish that's one of the top two dishes at Duck Duck. It's got to be the burger. The duck duck burger, and it's the du- <laughs> it's the dumbest thing, you know. We've got we've got stuff in there that like we pickle it for two days, we hang the the duck for you know three days to dry it out and get it extra crispy, and stuff that takes like so much technical effort. And then we got this burger, which you know with is the technical foie, the foie gras with the foie gras on it. Yep. Okay, huh? burger with the foie, the blueberry jam, the brioche bun, and man, people fell in love with that thing. I just saw actually on an influencers thing last night. Sam Stern. Yep, yep. yep I saw it, and I, I it was like it's funny. I'm coming here today but i thought about it i was like i just want a burger yeah. like sometimes you just want a burger but like you want really good fine dining yeah so that's, that's interesting the burgers <laughs> the burger tops up if i take that thing off they will burn that restaurant down <laughs> so you now we're gonna transition a little bit mm-hmm. you were opening up another one, so you're at the point at take us to the process of opening one in dc the next one and then opening no way rose and we got a pandemic yeah Take like who in their right mind is going to open a spot in the <laughs> pandemic where you can't have you think about it. You know, a lot of restaurant owners are like we got to change the way we think now. Mm. Do we do open air? Do we do clothes? Do we because we didn't know what's going on? Mm. But you were like to get these spots. Mm-hmm. It had to have been like a year or a couple a year out or whatever and probably to get them right yeah i mean some of them happen faster than others okay. i think that commercial landlords a lot of them realized that the landscape was going to change right right uh and a lot of guys were going out of business um because of the pandemic sadly um you know i had to close one of my places i closed george's shop house uh because of the pandemic so but a lot of landlords you know where we were typically priced out of the market in dc and in other places that market was changing and you had these second gen spaces that weren't requiring a huge upfront investment to, to start a new restaurant. Um, and, you know, we have a, a well-recognized brand in Duck Duck Goose. People know that, you know, we come in, we work hard, um, you know, we create something for the community there. So we became attractive to some of these landlords that were looking for somebody to put in. So we found a couple of good deals. Um, but, you know, I'll say again, it was this past year and a half, um, building these two places, it's been one of the most challenging times of my life. Did you doubt yourself during it, like with the pandemic and how things were shutting down? I, I doubt myself every day. But I mean, as far as like, to like, I mean, literally, I didn't think that we would be sitting in a big restaurant like this 
again. I really didn't think so. I thought people might change the way they do, but... No, I wasn't worried about that. And okay. I said it pretty publicly. I mean, what the fuck was everyone going to do? Start cooking at home seven days a week? <laughs> I mean, they there's were. only so many meals that you're going to eat out of a to-go box. Right. Um, you know, I think that there was a lot of people that said, oh, the restaurant business is dead. The restaurant industry is over. How? How? It, that, that didn't make sense to me. Right. I think it definitely did kind of put under a microscope the way the restaurants operate. I think it, it made people a little bit more aware of how restaurants operate and the fine margins in which restaurants operate, mm -hmm. right? It, and I think people became a little bit more sensitive to how difficult it is to operate a restaurant, but I was never under the impression that restaurants were going anywhere. Okay. Um, you know, like I said you know, two seconds ago, you know, what, what, what was the expectation? Where are you going to start having your birthday party? Where are you going to do your retirement party? Gotcha. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to propose to your girlfriend? Where are you going to, you know, whatever. Um, restaurants will always have a place. I love it. I love, I love, I love you. Drop some jewels yeah. and gems here. You're right. You're hitting the head. So, Noe Rose, where does that name come from? What's the thought behind, process behind it? How'd you find this name? So, back in my drinking days, okay. there was No Way Jose. Yeah, No Way Jose, yeah. On the other side of the market. That was my spot. They were kind enough to show me the door once or twice. <laughs> that was my spot back in the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a good time. W watering hole, really. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, I wanted to put something in the neighborhood that seemed familiar, but different. Um, obviously, I wanted to stick with my background, which is French food. So he said, why not No Way Rosé? Okay. Do you like rosé? Huh? You love rosé? I don't drink anymore, but, oh, but, yeah. but when I did, yes, absolutely. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so you opened it. We're in this beautiful restaurant, and you just opened not like, like less than four months ago, right? Like, like, how about, about less than a month? Here? Yeah, about yeah, a month? Yeah, it's been about a month. About a month. Just about a month. How has it been the feedback from the community? It's been fantastic. You know, I think that... Um, I, those that can be have been a little bit patient with us and understand that you know we're opening a new restaurant when it's really hard to find staff and it's really expensive to get straws um let alone food um you know there's there's been a huge number of people that have come out and shown great support you know we love seeing it online when people say you know uh, great new restaurant we love when people come in and say oh we love what you've done with the space um you know this is not a one-man band you know there's 25 people that come to work here every day that drink the same kool-aid i drink and they worked really hard to get this space beautiful and they worked really hard to make things work the way they do here so um no the feedback has been great I, you know i you get my vote of approval off the top thank you because i'm gonna keep it real i probably never told you the story so i came in here i had a live show that night we had, a, we had a, like a pre-opening and i had a hoodie on and i was like I have no more gear to come on I'm, I'm, but then a group of people came down here like aaron come on down yeah the pre-opening and I always remember, like, let the guy got to the front door, and the guy was like, "Are your name on the list?" I'm like, "Nah, but I know the, I know the people in here." And I had my, I was like, I got my hoodie on. Guy was like, "Come on in." Yeah. And to me, I was I was already ready for the fight. <laughs> but for your staff, just to give you a shout out, it was like, "Hey, we know, we understand." Mm -hmm. I was like, "I'm with this group." It was no problem. Now, on the average day, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. But what I was saying, it was just a really customer service. Yeah. And that really meant a lot to me. Yep. And I remember you came over and said, hey, what do you want? What are you drinking? I said, like, appreciate it. But just your staff. Yeah. Was so warm and receptive. I just yeah. wanted to let you know that. Well, we talk about a lot. Um, you know, one of the first things that we talk about in any training that we do in any of the restaurants, there's service and there's hospitality. Right. Service is what you do. Hospitality is the way that you make someone feel. You can fuck this up. 
you can fuck up service, right? You can fuck up the food too a little bit. Mm-hmm. You can't fuck up hospitality because mm. you can't. The way you make somebody feel is the most important thing in the world, mm. and it starts with people that come in and work with us. Um, and you know, no, we don't have a dress code, um, so they wouldn't have told you no, no matter what you were wearing. Um, <clears throat> there's some places that do have dress codes. We just don't. I mean, I, I've got my own soapbox about that, but um, yeah. All right, well, so look, look, since we're going to dress codes, we're, since, we're in, <laughs> since we're in that frame, we're going we're gonna to slide to a little cool spot there. <laughs> so a big thing that comes up, a lot of restaurants, people come to restaurants, there's eight, party eight. We talked about this offline. Mm-hmm. Party of six. Four people show up. Three people show up. Mm-hmm. They want to sit down. Yeah. Restaurants, says no, everybody has to be here. Yeah. Take us behind that. Take us behind the thoughts of why we can't sit down when we have six and there's three here, or eight, and we got four of us here. That's, 50, gonna, that's 50%, right? You're not gonna like my answer. Hey, we keep, wait, we keep, we, we're, being we're being honest, we're being honest here. These tables, they're not the furniture in your house. Okay. Uh, these tables pay for the manager, they pay for the hostesses, they pay for the salaries of the kitchen in the back, they pay for the rent, the lights, the water. Uh, so these are not just regular pieces of furniture. These tables that are around us, these are all cash registers. Um, so, I need to be able to use this table a certain number of times in a night. So I'm very happy to seat that party of eight. However, when four of y'all show up at eight o'clock because you were on time for the reservation and then four other people show up at nine o'clock. Now that mm. table that was supposed to take me an hour and a half to turn, I'm looking at three hours on that table. Mm. So now I'm late for my next reservation and also I'm losing money on the table. Mm, Especially okay. in today's day where margins are finer than they have ever been. You know, good restaurants operate on a profit margin of between eight and 12%. Eight and 12% is not a lot of money. No. So it's not somebody just being an asshole when they tell you, hey, we need the whole party to be here. The way the restaurant seats people is formulaic. Everything's about math, everything's about the numbers. The portrait of Bourdain on the wall, the pink booths, the Eiffel Tower trusses, all that shit doesn't matter if nobody's making money. Because if nobody's making money, nobody's paying the rent. No, but that, that's but people sometimes don't understand the answer. People so don't glad, understand that, and answer. I'm glad we're we're explaining it. You no, know, people through. don't understand that answer. And you know, when you make when you make a reservation in a restaurant, <clears throat> we in all of my restaurants we do offer a little grace period there because I understand things happen. It's hard to park in the city. I get all that, uh, but you've entered into a contract with that restaurant. That restaurant is depending on you the same way you're depending on that restaurant to have the food on the menu, to give you good service, to have clean glasses on the table, to have fresh flowers, to have good music, to have the lights be just right. The same way you're depending on that restaurant to give you the night that you had gone out for, that restaurant is depending on you to, 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 to stick by that contract that you made with the restaurant. Got you. Now, do you, you just, does your restaurant automatically put gratuity tip one things, or how does it work with you guys? For parties of six or more, we will. Okay. Um, anything less than that, we leave it to the client's discretion. Okay. And is that is that set up front when you get here? For as the- it's it's printed on the menu. Okay. Okay. So six or more, will we'll, yeah, we will autograph the table. Um, under six, we will leave it to the client. Gotcha. Gotcha. Is there is there a way they should be tip- people should be tipping, or how do you feel about like is it twenty percent? Is it fifteen percent? I mean, how does it break down? Just some of your thoughts. It's just a thought. We're having a conversation. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I always tip, as an industry person, I always tip at least 20%. Okay. Uh, I think there's a special place in hell for people that don't tip. Um, do I people th- still do that? Oh, yeah. All the time. All the time. And, wow. you know... Um, <laughs> do people realize that that's how people live and survive? Yes. 
And, you know, it's the same people that don't tip. Well, I got to be really careful how I say this. It's when people don't tip, it's um, I would love to have a restaurant where, where, my, where my servers did not rely on tipping. Gotcha. I would love to build that kind of a business. But I'm not somebody yet in my career that you're going to be willing to pay $50 for a piece of chicken to. Right, right. So it's all relative, right? Um, it, it's right now because my clients are only willing to pay a certain amount for, for food and drinks. My staff is relying on those tips. Right. Um, and the reasons for which people don't tip just boggle my mind. People say, well, I didn't tip because the food took too long. How's that your fucking service fault? He rang it in. Right. Maybe they're backed up a little bit. Um, you know, sometimes if there's like total negligence on the part of the server, they forgot about you, they were rude to you, cool, don't tip. But that's a very small percentage of the time. Right. You know, and this, this kind of culture of like being angry at restaurants when you walk in. Um, you know, people come in expecting the restaurant to fuck up. Like, oh, they're going to mess this up. They're going to mess that up. And, you know, you've come in and you're already at a loss. Stay the fuck home. Well, you know, it's interesting. I always tell people, you know, why do you, or why are you so hard on restaurants, but you go to McDonald's every week? You still go to Starbucks and they mess your name up. You yep. still go back. You still go. Yep. So, like, why would you? I'll have people, people leave reviews. <laughs> and I, I purposely don't respond to any of these reviews because, um, I just don't, I don't care enough to respond. Um, you know, we do take them all constructively and we do use them. The ones that are constructive, we use them constructively. But I literally had somebody give me a review saying, we had a seven o'clock reservation. The restaurant was 20 minutes late seating us. They gave us free champagne to hold us over while we were waiting. Uh, the meal was great, the service was great. However, they should have just comped our bill. Why? You gave them a bottle of champagne. We, we bought them champagne. Right. We said, hey, we're really sorry about the wait. The restaurant's busy. It was a Friday night. Like, I, I, I don't get it. And if you were that upset about the fact that we were late, why the fuck did you sit down and eat dinner and tell me the service was good? If you didn't like it at all, if you were that upset, go somewhere else. Right. You know? Right. So I, it's all, I get it. I, I just, I don't, you know, <laughs> it's, it's tough. You know, and especially in, in my businesses, we really go out of our way. If we mess it up, we will go out of our way. Not only am I buying that experience for you, I'm buying your next experience right. too. Right. It would be one thing if we took a very stark or a staunch position where we were like, you know what, you didn't like it, it's your problem. It's not your problem. You didn't like it, it's our problem. Because we either didn't describe it right on the menu or your server didn't describe it right or we made it wrong or whatever. So if you didn't enjoy it, we take ownership of that and we're gonna take care of that for you. And we're also gonna make sure that the next time you come in, it's on our dime. Nice. So knowing that we go through those steps, when people still come in and they're determined to be unhappy, yeah, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. It's frustrating, especially because people have no idea the amount of the work and effort and thought that goes in. And, and, and also people have no idea how expensive it is. I'm not crying poor by any means, don't get me wrong, but it is, it's a Herculean task to get people in here to, for your table to be lined up, to have, the, to have the, you know, the light on it, the clean glasses on it, the clean silverware, the little raw bar card, the pink pencil that matches the decor, to be getting you know, ice in your water, to be getting your drink made just the right way, the same time, 150 times a night. It's a lot, it's a lot. Um, so we enjoy it though. No, it's, no, it's all good. Like, listen, <laughs> man, we keep it real, like yeah. that's what it is. Now. 
What's the difference between No Way Rose and Duck Douglas? What's the big difference food-wise? Can I get the same thing in the same places, or is there a little variation of it? There is a little bit of variation. Okay, what um, variation? I'd say the biggest differences are, are one in service. Okay. You know, this is a little bit more casual in the style that we serve people here. Uh, we don't take reservations in this restaurant. We do at Duck Duck Goose. Okay. Um, this is more of like a cafe culture where like the plates are a little bit smaller. Things kind of come out as they're ready. Duck Duck Goose, you could go and have a more like coarse meal, so appetizer, entree, dessert. Uh, here, we kind of just send things out to you as they're ready. We have a great raw bar here, which we don't have at Duck Duck Goose. Um, but this is more like a cafe. Duck Duck Goose is more fine dining restaurant. So I saw these cool videos online. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little about this brunch, this brunch party, boy, because it looked like it's lit up in here. Like, I mean, I'm literally sitting at home, flipping my thumbs like, I need to be down there. I need to be down there popping bottles. Like, that's how I feel like. But tell us, like, the brunch culture, because I feel like you brought that, that, that good brunch culture here. Yeah. Like, I love it. I see it, and I'm like, tell us a little bit. What, what were some of your thoughts when you were creating this? You know, I found in Baltimore there there a lot of people go out for brunch. You right. know, um, brunch is a big deal here. You know, you have people in town visiting for the weekend, whatever. Um, and although there's a lot of good places for brunch where the food is good, I couldn't find anywhere where there was like a real experience. Mm. Um, and if it was, everybody was doing kind of the same, you know, drag brunch sort of thing. And um, nothing wrong with that, but it like everybody was doing it. Right. So I was like, man, like what if we did something that was really like fun, like super entertaining for people, like make the food good, make the music good, give them a show all at once. Uh, and that's what we did. So here I've got a little carnival show. I've got jugglers. I've got people on stilts. I've got contortionists. I've got a DJ. Um, we've got great food. We serve from 10 to three in the afternoon. Um, it's just, it's a good party vibe. Is there a bobless mimosas and bloodies here? Or you don't do that? Here? No, we don't do that. Okay. Here. Okay. Right. Um, we don't do that here just because you know, that bottomless thing is messy kind of quick. It gets, it gets a little, real, it gets a little real, messy. Real, real messy. So what will you say since you've been here for a month? What do people like, you see a lot of people, I get a lot of orders in here. Like what's one of the top two, three things that you've been seeing a lot of? Cause I saw this flight that you had with different things on it. It was like, it was like a tear, it was like a, like a statue of food or something like that. Um, I don't know what you had, but it looked good, man. I can't remember, what was it? Uh, we do a really great like smoked salmon tower yeah, here. Yeah, the tower, that's, that's probably it. what you're talking that's about. It. Yeah, man. We do a great smoked salmon tower here. We do, um, what else do we do that's really good here? We do the blue crab omelet. We make a crab, like a soft mm. omelet. We roll crab meat and a little bit of like black truffle cheese sauce in it. We do a black truffle annulotti that I had oh in goodness. Paris uh, the last two times I was there and I ate it more times than I care to admit over the five days that I was there. Okay. Uh, and I decided I had to recreate that in so my restaurant. So what is it? Tell us, tell us, tell us. So it's little. these little handmade annulotti, which are like raviolis, but they're mm. just a little bit smaller. We fill it with this black truffle and ricotta filling. We make a sauce out of butter and black truffle. We finish it with a few drops of lemon juice, a little bit of olive oil. We send it out to you, and it's just like this black truffle, Parmesan, oh ricotta goodness. cheese bomb in your mouth. Oh, wow. Uh, it's just great. Tons of flavor. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. Now you got me hungry over here. Look, I'm looking, <laughs> now I'm, I'm sitting here like, what can, I, what can I order next? And what days are you guys open a week? Like, what, what's, your, what's your hours for the week? So we're open right now. Uh, we're open Wednesday through Sunday for dinner. Uh, starting at four o'clock and then we're open brunch Saturday and Sunday starting at 10 o'clock. Okay. Are you here a lot? Cause I know you got several restaurants. Which, I'm, I'm which here ones are right you, now. are do you, you stay, do you go to each one each all weekend or do you say when you prefer hanging out at? Mostly? Um, it's like by the age of the restaurant. So the youngest baby gets the most attention. Right. <laughs> right. Cause you got people established at other places. Correct. Correct. Okay. So do you, do you ever get back behind the, you get the knives to sharpen up and. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay. I still cook. 
Okay. I still cook. You know, sometimes some people chefs- ask me that a lot. People are like, you know, do you still cook? Do you still cook? Yeah, I still cook. I have to cook, you know, because the minute I stop cooking or the minute I get rusty on that line, um, you know, the guys that are working there, they start wondering who they're working for. Right, right. You know? So then, we're gonna do, so speed round. I always ask people this. All right. All the time, okay? Paris or Barcelona? Paris. Why is that? I speak a little French. I cook French food in Paris. There's something new to find every single day. And a lot of people don't know this, but from Paris, you can get to a lot of places in Europe in like three or four hours. Okay. Okay. Crabs or crab cakes? Crab cakes. I'm lazy. You don't want to get your hands dirty. No, huh? it's, it's not that I don't want to get my hands dirty, <laughs> but I, I do a lot of this at work. So I don't want to do a lot of this in my time off. Got you. Summer or winter for you? Summer for sure. Drums or flats or wings? Flats. Blue cheese or ranch? Ranch. 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 Gotta be ranch. Is it homemade ranch or is it like you make the ranch or you, you don't gotta... need a homemade ranch? Craft does just fine. Craft, <laughs> Hidden Valley, they're just fine. You don't need a homemade ranch. And what's the best advice you've ever received? Stay humble. Stay humble. Above all else, stay humble. You never know. You don't, no matter how good you are at something, you don't even know what you don't know. If you could look at your younger self, what would you say now? Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Just shut up. Just like you don't know what you don't know. You know, shut up and stay out of your own way. And, you know, I I think, yeah, if I would have just shut my mouth a lot of times and and listened to those around me and assumed the best of those around me rather than assume the worst of those around me. um, You know, I I don't take one ounce of my life back today, but I'm grateful for everything that I did. But, you know, my younger self, yes, I would have told him to shut the fuck up. Where can we find you on social media? IG, TikTok, all that wild stuff. Uh, IG is at Chef Ashish Alfred. Uh, TikTok is at Chef Ashish Alfred. There's a YouTube channel with a couple followers on it. Um, yeah, Chef Ashish what about, Alfred. What about the restaurants and whatnot? This is No Way Rose Baltimore on IG. Uh, all the Duck Ducks have separate ones. There's DDG Bethesda, there's DDG Baltimore, and there's Duck Duck Goose DC. Anything else? What do you want people to walk away from this interview when we when I broadcast it? What do you want people to walk away from it? I think. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that more than the cooking and more than like the building of these restaurants, um, I spend most of my time working with a team of really amazing people. And most of my time is invested in the people around me. Uh, Cause if you don't have a good team, you got nothing. Um, so if people, I mean, the big takeaway here is, you know, behind any great success is usually a team of really hardworking people. And that, that is my story. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we're done. Wrapping up. I appreciate you, Chef, for your time. Thank you so much. This is a beautiful restaurant. Love, peace, we're out. Baltimore Fiscal Partners is a boutique CPA firm specializing in accounting and consulting services for nonprofits, small businesses, and with experience running nonprofits and small businesses, they know that there's not always enough time at the end of the day for you to focus on your finances. Whether it's monthly bookkeeping or an annual audit, tax preparation or consulting, nonprofit or small business, Baltimore Fiscal Partners provides full range or tailored solutions that keep your goals and budget in mind. Learn more about Baltimore Fiscal Partners online at BaltimoreFiscal.com or follow them at Baltimore Fiscal on Facebook and Instagram.